This is the Strength Anger Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. All right, we are back with yet another episode of Strength and Anger, a little extra. We have the man himself, Bob Merck, straight from the WPO semifinals, getting ready for the super finals here in the quarantine. Bob, all the way from Atlantic City Barbell. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, not doing too bad. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Thanks for coming on. So cool. We're, uh, we're getting to a whole bunch of stuff with Bob today, and uh, I'm very, very excited for this one. Like I said, I've been messaging Bob for a few weeks now. Uh, actually, I was supposed to fly out there uh, to Philly for a, a work meeting, and then I was going to get together with, uh, with Bob to train, and then uh, the Rona you know, hit us with the left cross, and <laughs> we're all sitting at home right now. So uh, kind of sucks. But um, Bob, why don't you go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself, give us a little bit of your background, uh, and then we'll kind of dive into some of the questions. Absolutely. Yeah, man, it's a bummer that you weren't able to get out here to train. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's tough, but the corona has us all sort of locked in. I was teaching. We're back to work today. I was teaching some kids online with Zoom, and now I'm online with you guys. There you go, man. But, awesome. Uh, long story short, uh, I am uh, 37 years old. I'm married for coming up on 10 years now. i got awesome. three kids. <laughs> twins. Twins who are sophomores. Oh, boy. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My daughter actually lifts. She's done like eight powerlifting competitions. And nice. my, my youngest is seven going to be eight in may mm-hmm. and he was set up to do his first powerlifting meet he was going to go out to uh blood iron barbell and do rita's meet and then the corona man oh. it isn't uh, i know he was all pumped up but i just told him bigger numbers when we finally get there exactly exactly so you have twins who are sophomores yeah that's awesome and my, my old actually is a sophomore so it's uh interesting you and i kind of follow the same path i'm 38 and uh so yeah interesting that uh we kind of had that going on so and a superior first name too so obviously robert <laughs> and you said you said you're a teacher, Bob. What do you teach? Uh, I am seventh grade social studies. Okay, oh, the school. the worst human beings on the planet. <laughs> oh, you know what, man? I love I love it for the same reason that most people hate it. It's like walking balls of hormones. And yeah, everybody's ripping through puberty, and I intentionally fought to get that grade. They used to want me to be like sixth grade, and they moved me around to eighth grade. Sure. And I I fought, believe it or not, to to, to stay right in the middle. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I love it. So love it. no day, no day is boring. Oh, that's very true. It's uh, always exciting, and no one is ever consistent, which is you know it can be very very fun. Um, so fun fact, I actually uh, went to school for elementary ed, and my wife was secondary education. Uh, so that uh, was originally the career path that I had chosen, but didn't uh, didn't work out that way. Well, cool. Well, let's uh, let's maybe talk a little about uh, you know to some of your sports background, Bob. I know I've you know did some perusing around your Instagram and uh, you know listened to some other you know talks you've done. You know what what's your sports background and uh, you know kind of how did you get involved uh, you know in the sport of powerlifting? Absolutely. Uh, I, I feel like I have the same story as so many people. You know, obviously when I was growing up, I played every sport. You sure. know, baseball. I played hockey, basketball, football. Uh, moving into high school, I still stayed pretty active. I, I didn't hear soccer in there. I'm a little disappointed in that. <laughs> yeah, well, no. Well, you know what? You can't mix seasons too much, especially back then now. It's fair, very you know, fair. Soccer is all year, but back back when I was growing up, you had to make a choice, and football was winning that, that fight. There you go. You know, gotcha. Especially as a big kid. 
So uh, yeah, yeah. going into high school, it was it was football, baseball, believe it or not, even track, throwing and running, obviously <laughs> lifting. <laughs> you you ran on purpose? Yeah, believe it or not. You. It was it was it was more like, hey, only uh, the in season athletes are allowed to use the school gym, and I'm like, well, all right, I guess oh, give me a shot put or something. It's pretty typical for football players to do track. That, I mean, that is true. A lot of times yeah. there's a crossover in coaches, and yeah. they'll, they'll encourage them I, to do both. Yeah. I still ran the 100, though. I guess I was already at that. Oh, boy. So, 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 what, yeah. so, you, so you were a sprinter and a thrower? Yeah. Bob, we have way too much in common. This is creeping me out, man. I was a sprinter <laughs> and thrower in college. I ran twos, fours, and eights, and I threw uh, shot weight. Oh, man. That is yeah, so, so wild. When, when I went to college, it was obviously it was just football. Sure. I went to uh, – LaSalle University. It was the only Division One AA school that wanted me, so it's where I went. Okay, they're, they're willing to give me some bucks, so I went. And I played there in Philadelphia, and uh, you know, still as always, loved the lifting probably more than the the football. Sure. Uh, my coach, my coach in high school was a guy who was a power lifter. You know, back in the eighties and nineties, so mm-hmm. he he was still my coach. Now we still we still train together. He was out at the first WPO. Awesome. So I grew. Yeah, I grew up thinking it was normal to have like you know four oh five for a raw bench for ten. I thought that was like what adults did. So so we, so you, so you actually had somebody you knew in high school who benched four oh five, not like everybody else who knew a guy who knew a guy. Oh, and their cousin's he basement. Could, he, he could bench four oh five for ten with like, but because that was my that was my normal. Sure. That's just what I what I thought. My old man's pretty strong too. So like growing up, I just thought you know, hey, when you get older, you bench the, four plates. Adults are strong. That's what, that's how it works. Yeah. yeah right. Interesting, interesting. So you, you you're you're playing football in college. And obviously, you're lifting. You're uh, what else besides that? You, anything outside of you know powerlifting? Maybe people don't know about that is uh, an interest of Bob's. Man, hanging out with my family and stuff like that. I have I have a bunch of hidden talents. You know, I was like a drama guy in high school, and I don't know if you saw my Elsa video the other day. I did. <laughs> kind of went viral. Somehow, somehow that did, yeah. Of all the things I've done, though, I do crap like that all the time, and that's the one that catches on. Like, that was an old costume. Well, I mean, <laughs> a cross-dressing powerlifter, that's, yeah, I can see where that would probably get a little bit of, uh, little bit of attention. <laughs> man, what if I told you it's not the first time? <laughs> you know, man, I, that's I, what she said? Yeah. <laughs> he or she, it's, it's 2020, man. You don't know. <laughs> Z, yes, Z, Z. So that's no, that's awesome, man. I actually uh, I watched that. I actually repost that on my story because, uh, given everything that's going on, like that's I think that ability to connect with students, you know, make them laugh because la- laughter I think is one of the most important things that, that we can give people, and uh, you know, that's why I don't take life too seriously usually because none of us make it out alive. Uh, so I think it's important that you're able to connect with students and make them laugh. Yeah, and, you know, they get a little embarrassed because oh my gosh, my teacher's in my house and they're singing to me. This is weird. <laughs> But you know what? They never forget it ever. And yeah, and I'm a big I'm a big advocate of trying to have fun in class, and the kids seem to like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I got some ridiculous antics, and that was just one of them. Uh, believe it or not, I got in some trouble for it. I caught some heat, so I'm not allowed to do it anymore. No, but it's, I know it's a shame because I was doing them every weekend. I was like showing up at random houses, setting sure. up with their parents ahead sure. of time, and the weekend after that Elsa thing, I was supposed to show up in like ten different houses, mm-hmm. and I had water pistols, and I was going to challenge them to a uh, Social distancing bull. <laughs> I demand like, satisfaction. Oh, come on, man. That would have been hilarious. And their water pistols were going to be half filled. Mine was going to be all the way filled. So Wait, I was going to be tearing these. I was going to be tearing these kids up. I was going to cheat. I was right. going to win. And uh, now I'm just stuck with all these water pistols. <laughs> I mean, it's not cheating. It's just stacking the odds in your favor. Right. Absolutely. It's, a, it's an extra ply on your predator. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. Well, and especially with that age group, it's it's such a challenging age being in middle school for kids. 
Um, yeah, it's got to be a challenging time for them because it's like they're trying to find their identity and they're trying to transition from elementary to high school, and now you're completely out of school. Yeah. Yep. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, Bob, uh, it sounds like you've been around powerlifting for a while, um, but how did you yourself get involved in competing? So uh, after college, you know, you come back, you play college football, you've been Mm -hmm. an athlete forever. All of a sudden you come home and there's no more competitions. Sure. So uh, I was was still lifting. Speaking of big transitions. (laughs) I've always done the big three, you know, squat, bench, deadlift. I'd never done a meet in high school. Okay. We didn't have a powerlifting team, so all of a sudden I'm looking for a for an outlet. Mm-hmm. Like I said, my coach in high school, we stayed friends. He sort of has become like a like a life mentor. I've been going to his house every Thursday night for dinner since I was 14. Wow! So oh, it, was wow. His, it was kind of, it was it was his idea. Okay, that's awesome. He said, you know, let's get out there. Let's get you actually. You know, if you're going to do all this training, you might as well lay something down because he always competed. So he brought me to my first meet, a U.S. APL meet single ply <laughs> oh there we okay. go what year was that that was 2007 i believe okay interesting so 2007 so that so that was you going to your first meet or you competing in your first meet that was me competing in my got first it. meet got it and then what uh, what were the numbers of that meet i'm just curious i know i benched 501 which was more than i squatted but uh hmm. i don't even remember probably like T- typical probably multiply like guy upper upper fours because it was kilos i didn't even know okay 501 and then probably like in the mid fives on a deadlift okay gotcha yeah and for comparison's sake what's your best lifting competition now my best lifting competition now uh raw would be 810 490 and 700 and i think they were at 220 and wow. then uh equipped which is all we really care about these days is a eleven sixty squat, eight ten bench, and an eight oh five deadlift. Nice. Okay. Very nice. And, wish, and those were, were all, yeah. I wish they were all on the same day, but they weren't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that was my next question: is what, where where were those where were those lifts at? Um, they were they were all unfortunately separate meets. My best total is twenty seven ten, mm-hmm. and that came via eleven fifty seven sixty five, I think, and then seven ninety five to pull off the PR. Okay. And was that uh, was that at the WPS Superfinals, or where was that at? No, that was out in Shippensville, Pennsylvania, money meetings, I think last last August or something like that. Okay. WPO, my best WPO total was like 26-24, and that was at the uh, the semifinals that we just had. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, as an equipped lifter, it's often tough to just put everything together on one day and get all your best lifts. Yeah. It is, uh, it's challenging. It's, it's tough as a raw guy, I'm not going to lie, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah there's especially just... especially for me, it's bench. It's I always the way I squat, where I like my hand position, mm-hmm. it destroys me. And these WPO meets have such a fast turnaround. Sure, mm-hmm. you know it's not like you can take a couple hours off and ice or whatever. You get done. You guys know how it is. You get done squatting. You're throwing your like shirt I, on. The super finals in Chicago. I took my raw, my first two raw benches. I took in my briefs. I'm wow, like, yeah, I think I, 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 I heard you talk about that. I didn't have the energy to get out of them. I'm like, just give me a minute. Let me take one and two wheels real quick. <laughs> that's funny. That's, that's in- so, so talk about that a little bit. So, I mean, you've obviously, I, I'm going to assume from your first meet to now, I mean, the, the meets you compete in have changed, kind of the atmosphere, and, and as you mentioned, the pace. How have you adjusted your training for that, like just to, to handle the pace? That has been a major adjustment recently, recently especially going into the, uh, the Super Finals in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Because they kind of let us know. I mean, they were like Wayne and, and, and Fahey, like they, they pretty much said to all the lifters, like, listen, like, choose smart attempts. 
like don't open you know too heavy mm-hmm. and uh it, it's it's going to be fast like right. be ready to, to to move the whole time and you know the first wpo was the exact opposite and i didn't train for that type <laughs> 17 of hours later where, was, where i was going to start in the morning and not get done until like 11 oh, <laughs> right right yeah i, yeah, I was so, there at uh, least yeah so we adjusted our training. We uh, one of the biggest things we did was we started taking bigger jumps in our in our warm ups. Okay. Okay. So instead of doing the traditional like not thinking about it, one wheel, two wheel, three wheel, we started doing I think one, two, four, six, eight. Okay. You know, which was tough at first, but once you get used to it, you know, on meet day it's not so bad. Sure. So we changed the warm up so we could get ready faster. Um, I only take two warm ups in my shirt now mm-hmm. before my opener on bench. Just a couple things like that, and obviously training pace. In our in our training days, because Magna Vita, who's in the WPO trains with me, so yeah. the two of us, like everything that we do, is based upon getting ready for these meets now. Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, it's one thing to hear that, hey, we're going to try to get this meet done in in five hours. It's another thing to actually like go through it, it yeah. yeah, execute it, and go through it in full gear. Yeah, when you, when we got done, when we got done squatting, I think I was like the third from last, the second from last squat in Chicago, like yep. Steinland after me and half past his third. Like when I turn around and walk back and I can see people like actively warming up and I realize I only have the length of like the female flight yep. to, get, to get myself ready to go. That was, you know, that's, that that's it's a bit of a mind fuck because you're like, Oh my gosh, like this is, this is real. And we are, it's the, I, I found it interesting too, having, you know, spotted quite a few meets that, I mean, we hit the ground sprinting with, with yeah. those. It's really, really interesting. Really, really different. Uh, a finely tuned machine out there, in one way, out the other way. Like next. Yeah, yeah. It was. Like it was crazy. Lines. <laughs> and and even you know, I think part of that obviously had to do with you know ESPN being there and you know being the the production that it was. Yes, it was a me, but it was also a sports production. But it was interesting because it carried over because I think everybody was just in that mindset going to the semifinals, even with ESPN not being there. It was pretty similar. It was almost identical to that. Not quite as finely tuned because we didn't have you know four dozen other people you know pushing you all over the place but it pretty much ran the same way yeah i didn't really notice much of a difference at all same same deal maybe like a little bit longer between flights i think they took like 10 minute extra break to like switch over the platform but other than that i mean i (laughs) had had to give these spotters a break so they go pee (laughs) whatever (laughs) (laughs) right but uh no it, it felt great i i prefer the fast pace to the slow pace yeah, if you have the choice between the two, I think definitely most lifters would take a fast versus WPO 2018, 18-hour day. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. yeah. It's rough. It's rough. So so have you always been then a teacher or have you, have you, have you coached, you know, as far as your professional career? I'm always interested to hear what people do outside of powerlifting for work because I think it, it's a really interesting dichotomy of being the professional, you know, your, your case or my case, Bob or Robert, and then the powerlifting Bob. Yeah, when I when I, I knew I wanted to be a teacher from from a young age. I'm mm-hmm. one of those guys who actually stayed with their profession. I I wanted to be one. Yeah, that was the plan, and I executed it. I did think I wanted to coach football, and and, and I did. When I got out of college, I coached at my alma mater. I mm-hmm. coached at Holy Spirit High School, which is a is a good football high school in New Jersey, mm-hmm. state champs like every year type of school. Did that for like three years, and uh, and then I started running the student council at my school. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and doing some stuff with like those type of activities. And, uh, and I kind of couldn't do both. Sure. So it was, you know, you're, you're, you're all in or you're out type of deal. And I loved the student council. So I started running away with that and, and I was having that. And then I got to a point where every year I run a trip to Washington, D.C. for like three days and two nights with the kids nice. and 
we go out there and see the Capitol building, get a tour of Congress, go to the Supreme Court. So yep, yep. I've done some crazy stuff with that. And it just allows me, you know, to reach more kids, especially the kids that I actively work with. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and so I haven't I haven't coached anything since. I do run the Special Olympics powerless powerlifting in New Jersey. Awesome, very cool. So, like I get to I get to connect with those kids. That was sort of an accident. I volunteered one year and they did a crappy job, so I complained. <laughs> Sure. And uh, you, you know where that's at. Yeah. Right? Well, if you can do better, then here you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. They had some terrible, like, junk rack that looked like they bought it off of, like, the yard sale page. And I mm. gave them a hard time and said, like, you need to get better equipment. And that wasn't in the budget. So now they just have my equipment. <laughs> gotcha. Well, that's good. I mean, it, it, they, they get good equipment. They get, you know, good folks that kind of know the sport and are able to put on a good production. I think that's, you know, something Eric does, you know, with working with uh, those on the, on the autism spectrum. You know, it gives kids a chance to really experience something that's pretty unique. Uh, and especially a lot of times kids that are, I would say, underserved when it comes to that. They usually get, you know, the services they need to be able to progress as an adult, but not necessarily something like these really cool experiences with sports and stuff like that. Yeah, it's you know. Plus, it's nice. I mean, now we see the same guys, same kids every mm-hmm. single time because sure. we've mm-hmm. been doing it for like five or six years now. So it's like they know us. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, which is which is great. So that's awesome. been that's been good, and it's nice for my guys to realize you know they get to give back a little because you know I have my gym in my basement. We probably have anywhere from twelve to fifteen lifters going at any one time, and that's kind of one of the rules is you know mm-hmm. you're going to lift here, you know you're volunteering at the Special Olympics, things like that. So sure. it's they get to realize it's more than a total for the sport. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Yeah, I, we've. I think Ben and I have both watched your videos. Um, you're kind of set up in your basement. How did you you know, get to that, and how long did it take to build up? Did you originally you know train at you know uh, some kind of gym, and then decide, hey, I'm gonna you know go to the home gym route? How did that come about? So interestingly enough, I talked about my coach earlier. He always had like a really cool setup in his basement, and he only lives you know 15 minutes away. So I used to train there, and then we went to the local commercial gym, you know, a few times a week just to just to get out and get accessories and stuff like that. Sure? It was actually my it was my wife's idea, and she said, "Hey, we have this basement; it's going really unused. Why don't you invest in like a little gym set up there? You know, that way you don't have to go out all the time." Sure. My kids were probably my kids were probably like six or seven at the time, so I built the gym and I built a playroom attached to it. Cool. And it used to just be it was a power rack with with the bench and I think I had a lat pull down machine and you know nice enough setup that most people would like but uh I also then I <laughs> not, not enough for us with, yeah I became friends with a guy named Bill Fritz mm-hmm. who uh who lived a couple towns over and he had a really awesome basement like he had a monolift and I mean a reverse hyper and a competitive Forza bench and I saw that so I started going there okay okay and, uh that was in his parents basement and the next thing you know his parents want to move to a retirement facility so uh, we sort of took our two groups, took all of our equipment, and merged it all into my house. And that was in, like, 2014, 2015. Oh, wow. I forget when I met him because we competed at the same Arnold in, I think, 2014 or 15. Mm-hmm. That's when we met. I had no idea that he lived close or even lifted. He was multiply, which is important to my story. Mm-hmm. Because sure. uh, once I start seeing that stuff, I'm like, you know, I think I might, I might try this out. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So, so you guys combine basically combine forces. You bring everything into it, into your place. Now, is everything in the basement? You have some stuff in the garage too. Is it all? Is it spread? Like, how do you have it set up? Oh man, I got stuff everywhere. Collecting. <laughs> eventually, I figure if I move, we're always looking because I, I live like forty minutes from my work. Mm-hmm. So, eventually, if we move, we're gonna move somewhere, build a huge pole barn, and my gym will will be much bigger. Um, and my wife won't be as mad as you know people are walking through the front door and using the same bathroom and all that stuff all the time. <laughs> Jeez. Wait, I so you, you have 12 me, to 15 power lifters in your bathroom? That couldn't go wrong. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, right? 
when she said, you know, go ahead and build a gym, I think she thought like, oh, just you'll be able to be at home in the basement. Not that she was going to inherit like 12 or 13, you know, man babies. Who are now <laughs> using, Not <laughs> using to mention a bedroom, Walking <laughs> through the house, like everything. She, she ended up with 12 more kids when she said build a gym. I don't think that was exactly what she meant, but she's like the team mom. Uh, they're definitely more scared of her than they are of me, though, so it's funny. That's, and I'm sure you guys are always blasting, like, Enya or some very relaxing music when you're downstairs and, you know, lifting, so. <laughs> Absolutely. No, like, if something goes wrong down there and, like, you know, if a weight drops or something like this, the whole place gets quiet. He's like, you'll listen for the stairs, and it's like your dad coming downstairs. And like, if she comes downstairs, like, we're in trouble. <laughs> oh, I, I'm just picturing that now, like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, quiet. If you, park in, if you park in front of the mailbox on a Saturday, it is, like, like, it's, like it's not a good thing to do. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, we had a couple other questions on here that I, I really just kind of get more into like your thought process on stuff because I think that you know from from my experience, and I, you know, I've really only gotten a chance to know you over the last, I would say, basically a year, like since the Super Finals. And but but I think I like the way you think about things. I think you're a, a thoughtful lifter. You know, so so talk to us about like you know powerlifting itself. You know, you mentioned that your wife kind of inherited a team, so. I mean, is powerlifting like, is it a team sport? Is it an individual sport? You know, kind of, kind of get into your thought process on that. So like, I would say, I mean, you hear the good and bad of powerlifting. It's mm-hmm. fractured. You've got raw versus multiply and, you know, the high squat. Like I, I try not to focus on that. Mm-hmm. I focus on the positives. Um, so, you know, we got bigger lifts than ever. We got the WPO coming back. Sure. Um, my, my students are able to like, watch me on ESPN. Like, <laughs> That's that's something I never anticipated. So right. no the doubt. state of powerlifting, in my opinion, we're in like the glory days. Everything yeah. everything's great. Um, as far as an individual sport versus a team sport, it's tricky because it's obviously you're out there, you're alone on the platform. So I guess you could argue it's an ind- individual sport. Oh, but at Bob, the same Bob time, we're up like, there with you. You're never alone. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely not. Best fighters in the game. Amen. But like you got there, you got there with help. I mean, your training partners, you know, Raptor D, especially in multiply, like. There is no individual in multiply. You can't go out to Chicago without people to handle you. So no doubt. it's certainly like a it's a team effort for an individual total, I guess. Okay. But uh but yeah, to me I would if I had to, if I had to choose I would say it's a team sport because no one's doing anything alone. I mean maybe you can train brawl, but yeah. certainly not multiply. Yeah, I just don't think that lifters who've never trained, especially in multiply gear, have a concept of you know, you need probably a minimum of two people there with you to help you mm-hmm. get into your gear, wrap your knees, help set your suit, help set, you know, help set your shirt. Watch the rest of the me, watch the pacing of everything. Right. I mean, if you if you need a three-man handoff, you almost need then three people because mm-hmm. that's that's a very tricky endeavor, um, you know, to get that handoff just in the right place for your shirt. Um, it, a lot of raw lifters, I don't think, have as much of a concept of what goes into geared powerlifting. Well, it's cheating. That's what it goes into it. Right? <laughs> right, of course. Yeah, right. I always use the pole vault versus high jump analogy. It's like it's the same goal, but it's a totally different thing. I mean, that... you're trying to jump over a stick, but, right. like, the pole vaulters get to use some equipment. Like, I've never seen a pole vaulter get in a fight with a high jumper. <laughs> very, I don't, I don't really true. understand the arguments. It's just always been funny to me. I have raw lifting friends. I have equipped lifting friends. I will say, though, that the equipped lifting community is, like, one of the most giving communities out there. I would agree. Like if you if you hit up anybody for for help or for advice, I mean, it's just some of my friends. You had Anthony on the show, you know. He he pushes out more free advice and content when he could be getting paid for it. He's a great coach too. Mm-hmm. Than than you can imagine. I mean, you've got Brian Hill puts his entire 
training program out there. If you, if you wanted a free trainer, Dude, and, and his nutrition, you don't feel like paying for it. It's, it's like it's there. It's every single day. Yeah, even the thought process behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Start a week behind them, and there you go. There's your next, you know, meat prep. It's, uh, I mean, you could eat from the top to the bottom. I've talked to Hoff before, like, hey, man, I'm struggling with this. We're competitors, and it's, you know, he'll give me advice. Suggest sure. a bar to use. It's, so the multiply community, maybe because it's small, or maybe, like you said, raw lifters don't understand the struggles that go into it, but uh, it is definitely a community that is very supportive. Yeah, and I'm not going to say that raw lifters aren't supportive of one another, but I don't think Oh, no, we all suck. <laughs> I don't think there's that same, you know, camaraderie or, like you said, uh, you know, shared suffering like equipped lifters when you've gone through trying to figure out what bench shirt to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, if, if you've never gone through that, it's hard to have the concept of what that is like. Yeah, and I mean, and when you have gone through it, you tend to find, like, or notice other issues, people with the same struggles, yep. you know, like, like when I was lifting raw, which was for years, and I was a pretty decent raw lifter, but like, I, I never had anyone to say like, Hey man, this will help. And just send me a piece of gear. Like Marshall Johnson, the other, you know, last meat prep sees me pulling, sees me struggling. I come home, I got a package from him and it's like, Hey, try this deadlift suit. You'll be better. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. There, there is not a not, raw guy out there that's going to do that. Hey, let me send I you thought, my SBD knee sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> That's also going to take a second mortgage on your house to afford all the SPD stuff. So, <laughs> right. uh, I, I never get that. I mean, I've never paid more than maybe $70 for a pair of knee wraps, which help exponentially more than knee sleeves. And mm-hmm. they're paying 100 bucks for a pair of knee sleeves. But it's it's different because right. it's raw knee sleeves. And it's IPF approved. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. But, and you don't get anything out of them, but you know, you're putting them on with pliers in a trash bag. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. Ray Williams fits into a, a medium, you know. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. How, how did you transition, Bob, from being a raw lifter to then, you know, starting to get into equipped? Like I said, when I when I came together with Fritz, I was I was interested in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I saw I saw him doing it, and I was trying to keep up with him with my raw numbers. I was he, he was competing in gear, and uh, so I was exposed to it for a couple of years first, and then I think in 2015 the uh, I did a meet. They had like a. The Europa came to New Jersey. It was in Atlantic City, and I, yeah. I hurt myself. Yeah, I tore my supraspinatus on my shoulder, Ugh. and uh, it was it was one of those things where I go to the ortho and they want to do surgery, and I'm like, oh god, I know how that's going to go. Mm-hmm. So uh, I asked if I could try physical therapy first, and I was making some progress, but benching was still not in the cards. Mm-hmm. So uh, Fritz, again, the guy that I had been training with, he's like, well, why don't you just put on a bench shirt and see if it helps. I'm like, all right. So I've never been in one before at that point. So he puts me in a loose SVP. And uh, next thing you know, I, I can't feel it at all. Because, you know, you're lowering the bar further. It's more of a belly bench. Like that bar pass is less shoulder involvement. And uh, and I feel great. And, and the shirt's going to work. So, of course, it helps out. Of course, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> magic. I, I bench 900 pounds up there. No, exactly. It's, uh, you know, he has me work into like a three board, which is ridiculous. And I'm like laughing because I can't get the thing to get anywhere near my chest. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, But, you know, it was fun. And right. I think that's what it was. For me, it was fun again. And, you know, that is one difference between like, raw lifting and, and multiply lifting is there's so many more, you know, components to it. Like raw, are you strong enough mm-hmm. or are you not? Like there's no misgrooving it raw. Like you could say it all you want, but like it's just you weren't strong yes. enough. Yes. Oh, <laughs> say it louder for everyone in the back. <laughs> uh, Please. I misgrooved it. Like, no, you weren't strong enough to push it back Thank up where it you. came from. But in multiply, like – there really is a, a groove. There is a way Especially to get better. Especially on the shirt. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, I'm at a point in my call it a career, if you want to, where I, it's less about getting stronger for me at this point than it is about getting better. Sure. You yeah. know, it, I, I go back and forth. Magnavita makes fun of me all the time because he benches like five pounds less than me, mm-hmm. but raw, he benches 150 pounds less than me. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. so, so he's like, who's the real joker here? Like, you're only getting this much out of your shirt. Like, same thing with squad. I, I can not get the carryover out of my gear that he does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, someone like Brian Hill, if I could get his carryover, it would be amazing. So I'm working on getting better and more efficient. And it's a chess match. And that's kind of what I love about it compared to raw lifting. And I took to that right away from my first time at a bench shirt. Yeah, there, there's definitely more technical components and, uh, you know, playing around with what type of shirt to use and how to place it on your body and things that, you know, you don't have as much, certainly with raw, especially if you're not even wearing knee wraps, you know, if you're just in, say, knee sleeves and a belt. <laughs> knee sleeves, whatever, who needs those? Uh, <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I, I agree because, you know, the few times I've been in a, in a bench shirt, you know, it's there is so much more and you, you have to be so much more cerebral about it because you're dealing with, you know, there's the technique, there's that very, very fine window uh, that you can, you know, slide that, that bench into that actual groove. And then you're dealing with the mentality of, you know, just handling the pressure of feeling like your face is going to explode, uh, you know, from just the way that the, the shirt is set up. So I think that's, that's a component that I think is just really important to think about with raw or with uh, equipped lifting that it's just so different. Again, it's not that it's better or worse. It's, it's so different. Yeah, and then you think you have it all figured out, and you lose five pounds or gain five pounds, and it's like back to the trolling board. Lord knows I do that enough. Yeah, I think we've all been gaining some weight during this. At least maybe, I should only speak for myself. Quarantine 15? Quarantine, we had the quarantine 15, jeez. It is is very real. How's your weight doing, by the way, Bob? I I have to ask. I'm actually going down a little bit. I'm I'm not doing the quarantine 15. I've had some more time than normal. (laughs) No, just kidding. So I have, uh, I've been taking some walks, you know, nothing, I wouldn't call it cardio, but, you know, I've been getting like 10 to 15,000 steps in a day and I'm just nice. trying to, uh, just, just lean up a little bit since I have this opportunity. You I bet. mean, I let myself get pretty heavy going into that semifinals sure. and, uh, and I had to cut weight for the first time in a long time, Oh boy, Uh-oh. which was, which was not, you know, not exciting. And I, I wouldn't have cut since it was just the semifinals if it hadn't been more than a few pounds, but I was letting myself get up pretty high in the two eighties. Ooh. So, uh, so really, this is more of a I would like my gear to fit, so I didn't have to have so much weight on the bench to touch, kind of. Sure. Kind of weight loss. Yeah, no makes, doubt. Makes sense. I'm makes trying sense. to, yeah, I'm trying to learn my overkill shirt, and I feel like if I could just be a couple pounds lighter, I might actually be able to touch something less than 850. <laughs> yeah, those those are definitely tricky shirts to learn. It seems like yeah, uh, they have almost like an exponentially smaller window to to work in. No doubt. I mean, a uh, local guy here, Matt Manuth, I feel like is one of the guys that has dialed it in about as much as anybody. Yeah. But uh, a lot of local people here, because Rudy's local, very much they, they'll come to me to say, yeah, you know, I got this one two-board PR in the overkill shirt, and then they just really struggle with that last couple inches of touching. Yep. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is, too. It's, it's, it's literally one board, half board, just to just get that last little bit to touch. Mm-hmm. It's actually a funny thing, funny story. That's why I gained the weight. <laughs> I thought, oh, all right, I'll just gain a little bit, put a little beef on, and all of a sudden it'll be easier to touch. Not taking into account that wrong. that would be tighter. <laughs> yeah, <wrong. laughs> right. I should have known because, like, I watched Manuth and he's like, I forget what it was. It was uh, the first WPO and he opens at like nine something, can't <sighs> touch. And he's like, well, I'll just add more weight. Like, it's like gravity to the work. Why not? Yeah, I'll just, I'll just add more. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely got promise. I will say that. But again, back to the fact that this is a chess match. Like, if I could figure this shirt out, that could be a game changer. Yeah, yeah, yeah for no sure. Doubt. For sure. 
So, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, what overall, what are your thoughts on, you know, kind of the current state of powerlifting? I know you've, you've kind of talked about how, yeah, we've got the WPO back. There's certainly some big raw lifts being going on. There's some big equip lifts going on. You know, what are your thoughts on kind of the, the general state of the sport? I mean, it seems to me like it's growing. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's We went from the point where, you know, when I used to tell people, oh, yeah, I'm powerlifting have a meet they you know give you the old oh is that where you go like this and <laughs> the same thing <laughs> you, you, you go out on stage in your underwear and, and the other yeah but now my my students seem to know and i think crossfit was big mm-hmm. definitely getting it definitely. pushed along um so it definitely seems to be more popular i mean i hear Fahey's you know facebook lives or instagram lives i can follow him and he follows the numbers so it's certainly growing mm-hmm. um but not only growing in number like i said the lists are getting freaky yeah which i yeah. love yeah. You know, raw, equipped, whatever. I just love people pushing boundaries. You know, I look at Dan Bell, who trains down in Florida with, I, I love my Florida guys, you know, yeah. Pilly and Tinajero and Joe Jordan, all those guys down there. We try and spend a lot of time down there. So, you know, he trains down in Perfect Storm outside of Orlando. And you see someone like him, you know, he's just destroying things, doing things that are, like, not humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Raw. He just makes it look easy. Yeah. Raw. What, he has the record in wraps and sleeves right what, now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I would I would kill to see him in a pair of Predators and a Leviathan and just see if he could put something monstrous up. I think it would be amazing. I hear I hear there's talk of it. I hear there's been some some negotiation going on. I mean, he's down there with some equipped guys, right? Yeah, he, he trains he trains yeah. with Danny, who is a technician. So yeah, right. I, I've heard I've heard some rumors myself, <laughs> but I I would love I would love to see it. I'm going. Down, I was supposed to be down there last week, uh. um, but obviously again the Rona, <laughs> so. <laughs> We didn't get to go down, but I, says, I head down there yeah. a few times a year, and I'll be training with them as soon as I can. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's, uh, I agree. I think the, the, the state of powerlifting right now is it's, uh, it's wide open. There's so much you know, opportunity with it. There's, the lifts are going through the roof. There is more exposure with ESPN. I think, honestly, if it would have happened, that Sheffield meet over in England uh, that the IPF was putting on, I think that would have been a huge thing for, for lifting in general. Uh, I think it is even after the Rona is done and we kind of get back, you know, up to speed with things. Uh, it's never been a better time for for powerlifting. Well, I mean, Fahey, I don't know if you listened to uh, the long, long interview we had with him. But <laughs> oh, I did. It was long. <laughs> what, what, gosh, and it could have gone longer. Oh yeah. But one of the things that he said that kind of struck Bane and I was he said when he first went to the ESPN executives, they said, "Hey." powerlifting is too mainstream. We don't want it because yeah. everybody powerlifts. Everyone here in the office does it. Right. And he had to sell the uniqueness of equipped lifting in order for them to even be interested, which I thought was very interesting. All right. Yeah. So that, that I think, and that was where, you know, it helped solidify the argument for me that people say, well, why equipped lifting on ESPN? Because equipped lifting is the, the anomaly. It is what is so unique because it is the true extreme of, of strength and lifting. And, to, to your point earlier about the human performance, right? Like you're taking everything you can. You've got this, you know, gear that people put on, and basically all it is, it's a really very simplified, very tight, you know, shirt and or uh, suit, and they're taking every piece of muscle fiber they can to push every ounce up and down. Yeah, I mean, just the numbers are bigger, but like you said, it's also it is very extreme, and it is something mm-hmm. that's out there for people. So it, it, I think it is more fun to watch. I definitely see ESPN personally. Like the multiply definitely being a bigger draw for them because it's it's crazy. Yeah, for like sure. You watch these, you watch these people with you know a thousand pounds over their face on a bench. You watch someone like Dave Hoff. Like how could that not be, you know, more interesting than load the bar to 
485 for the next six lifters. <laughs> Another yes. 500 pound I mean, squat and, in sleeves, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's nothing against. Like I said, I do love raw lifting, but from an entertainment aspect, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm always jealous that I have to lift in these WPO meets because watching them is so fun. Sure. Yeah, sure. And I, I was and I th- actually excited to sit out there because they were on different days in the semifinals. And I, you know, I weigh in and then I get to go and watch the female squat. Sure. Mm hmm. Next thing you know, Leah's loading the bar to 800 pounds. I'm like, this is surreal. Like, yeah, that was – not going to lie. I am, I am rarely nervous when back spotting when they said that she was going to 771 for – I think that was her second attempt. I'm like, uh, oh, yeah, she did, they, did they say that right? <laughs> Holy cow, so, yeah. yeah. that was uh, – I was I was a little nervous on that one. Uh, but, I mean, to your point, she smoked it, and I, th- I thought she had 804 in her. It was, I think if we'd missed loaded the bar, she would have had it. Yeah, it was close. Yeah, so it's uh, – but, yeah, definitely exciting times. And I, and I think, too, that, you know – Equip lifting lends itself more to that that WWE type atmosphere, which you know, from an entertainment perspective, that's what we're going to need to continue to push the sport forward. I think and make it "quote unquote" mainstream. I still use that very yeah. loosely because I was like, "Nah, it's not." Or are, are, you could make the argument not mainstream, you, you know, unique and niche and something that because I mean, WWE is not what the average person does or is. Fair and you know Olympic lifting's been in the Olympics for forever, mm-hmm. and it's on at three in the morning on NBC, and no one's watching it. So <laughs> it's true. Very yeah, I mean true. it's close enough where like people can understand it, but mm-hmm. it's far enough away where it's like crazy to them. Like everyone's done a bench press before, everyone's sure. seen a squat, mm-hmm. but like they've never seen anything like this. No, mm-hmm. no, not at I all. I mean, no, definitely. Like, from my own local sample group, I mean my my friends who are you know my colleagues and stuff like that, they all watch it. They're like, that's crazy like mm-hmm. doesn't it hurt i'm like yeah a little bit <laughs> <laughs> nah no nah, i don't i don't feel a thing sometimes the, the, the gear takes everything away it's, it's no big deal yeah so so that actually it, it plays kind of the next question you know so you know how does lifting and kind of this that because let's be real here as power lifters we typically don't look like the average uh civilian you know so you know how does all that kind of play into you and your life as an educator i mean it it doesn't like just stop as soon as you walk in the classroom so how, how does that uh how does that play into it? <laughs> well, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> uh, uh, let's not, let's not talk about your boss. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it depends. Different bosses over the years have had different takes on, on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's great for them to see something different from, like, the norm as they walk into a classroom. Like mm-hmm. I said, these kids are transitional kids. They're going to identify with something a little bit different mm-hmm. very, very easily. Um I certainly stand out. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I told someone I was a teacher and then they looked confused. <laughs> I, I have to like, admit, I was one when I found out you were one. And, yeah. then, and then there's this moment where they like, oh, the aha moment, and they go, Jim. And I'm like, no, no, actually, like, it, it's, it's, not, it's not phys ed. It's I, I teach, you know, social studies and, like, government and, you know, also language arts. So, like, so like, hi- history was actually my assumption when I found out you were a teacher. You can you can read, <laughs> and then I mean, you know, they take a look at the tattoos. I mean, I have my my one leg is actually my contact area, so it's like all U.S. Revolutionary history. Like, huh. oh, oh he's got dope. Ben Franklin. He's got Ben Franklin on his leg next to a cannon and the Liberty Bell. <laughs> but so, it's certainly so much you know, freedom, like a giant septum piercing and a big old rainbow tattoo on my arm and skulls and dragons and stuff like that. I de- I definitely think that uh, it throws some people. Sure. But I think that's kind of a good thing for the kids. It's like an unintentional lesson, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm a pretty good teacher, and I certainly don't look the part. But uh, well, I mean, I know my at my son's school. I mean, he has other than his PE teacher. He's in elementary school. Mm-hmm. He has no male teachers, no. and not to say that 
I'll teach through male or I'll teach through females, but it, it, I think it's good for kids to be able to identify with something more similar to themselves, or even like you said, something unique and novel where mm -hmm. it's like, you know, not every teacher needs to be the 35 year old female Correct. that so many kids have at so many different subjects. Yeah. And in my district's like a very, very stern, strict conservative mm -hmm. district. So like you can imagine back to school night is sometimes a little, it's a little interesting for parents when they see the, right. the big beard and bald head and tattoos and stuff. And, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's funny. Like I had one, I had one mom, not back to school night, but we have conferences mm -hmm. and she sits down and after the conference, she's, she's leaving. She says, you know, I was going to pull my daughter from your class, but it, you know, you're a lot better of a teacher than, than I thought you were going to be when I looked <laughs> wow. at you. Wow. And I'm like, Ooh, we got to work on your compliments, lady. Like, That's that was, like so that was, backhanded. <laughs> that was, that was off. Oh, that, that stung that backhand. That was a sure. shot. Like, sure. But I would so, think that uh, actually that maybe the, the unique look probably lends itself well to middle school kids. Parents, maybe not. Yes. Yeah, Especially in a, yeah. you know, a stuck up community maybe, but I would think with middle school kids, they might, you know, latch onto that kind of thing. Oh, I think they definitely do. I think it, uh, awesome. because it's something different and because they're all like, like you said, like trying to find their place. Mm -hmm. I think it's certainly good. I mean, some of the tattoos are directly for the students. <laughs> sure. The big old, the big old rainbow tattoo. I had a couple, you know, mm -hmm. students going through some stuff and mm -hmm. they felt like they weren't supported in the very conservative district. I'm like, <laughs> I've got an idea. <laughs> That's, that <laughs> there is we go. very, very cool. You know, it's, uh, beauty, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say the other beauty of it is I actually, that tattoo that I got was from a former student who, when she was in eighth grade, mm -hmm. she asked me, she goes, Mr. Merck, I, I want to be a tattoo artist when I'm older and you have tattoos. Do you think that's cool? And I'm like, absolutely. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And she goes, would you volunteer to be one of my first tattoos? And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, what kid actually is going to be what they say they're going to be. Especially like, in eighth absolutely. grade. Yeah, especially. You can do, you can do whatever you want. And you can pick the area and you can even pick, pick what it's going to be. And you just let me know when it's time. Mm -hmm. it, it, Ten years later, I get a text, and I'm like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> <laughs> you, you, know, you didn't pull nervous. the new phone, who dis? <laughs> yeah, eleven eleven hundred pound thoughts make you kind of nervous. Getting a tattoo from someone who's never done a tattoo before, and they choose to put it on your forearm, like that's that's nervous. <laughs> I can see why that would be a little nerve wracking. Mm -hmm. er Eric and I are sitting here with no ink, so we you know don't don't relate on that front. But uh, no, that's 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 awesome, and I think that's. Uh, I just love that as an educator that you're able to connect with kids and just you're being different. Uh, I mean, obviously, as powerlifters, we're all very different. Like, normal, sane people don't do what we do. Uh, and especially in the multiply world, normal, sane people don't do that. Uh, so I just think that's really awesome that you're able to set yourself apart that way as, uh, as an educator because of how important it is to, for, the, for the youths of the world. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. One of the coolest things about the super finals mm -hmm. i mean espn is obviously cool for me because like what you know kid doesn't grow up dreaming of being on espn but the oh, coolest yeah. part for me by far was coming back to school the next day literally the next day because yep. i caught a red eye home yeah you to told me that <laughs> had to be at work the next day so it's like i got done and i'm like wayne's like trying to talk to me and i'm like thank you wayne can i get that medal so i can get out of here going to leave <laughs> like, so i get back the next day and literally the entire i'm like hey did anyone say the entire of my students watched it. That's awesome. That's so like, fucking all, cool. All of them. And That's I mean, so they dope. were in school, so I'm like, how did you watch it? And they're like, oh, the teachers put it on. <laughs> like, Even better. Oh. Even like, better. That, that's pretty cool. And then, like, I had other former students who were in college. I have one kid who's studying to be a gym teacher. He's like, you're never going to believe it. Like, 
we watched it in my gym class. I'm like, so wait, <laughs> you're, you're just sitting around watching me lift weights, and that was your class? He's like, yeah, my professor's cool. That's, like, oh, that's, awesome. that's so cool, man. So, like, the coolest thing for me was the fact that all of my like students, you know, past and present, were able to watch the thing, and that's that's neat. And when Donnie's like, this guy's a seventh grade teacher, I was like, that's great. Oh man, I I wish somebody would have had a camera on the students when that happened because you know it, the kids go crazy, like, oh, they're talking about us. So, that's so cool. Well, you could see that happen in the future if this gets bigger because yeah. they love to do B shots like that. And oh yeah, for sure, for sure. So you know that kind of goes into our next question, Bob. Um, you know, one of the things you talked about with the WPO is that yeah, it's, it's a faster pace. It's really more of a true competition. You know, what are kind of your thoughts on you know when it comes to powerlifting, winning, what it takes to win, and you know what goes into a contest like the WPO that is more focused on, you know, crowning a winner rather than just, you know, a bunch of people lifting weights and trying to lift as much as they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a very like interesting thing to look at. So our training going into the WPO was obviously like, let's look at everyone, you know, it's powerlifting. So, you know, their numbers, we all posted open powerlifting's out there. Mm-hmm. Let's like evaluate your competition. Let's, let's sort of formulate a plan. And, uh, you're like normally a regular meet is like all right let's lift as much as we can try and pr mm-hmm. yeah but the wpo with its pace and things like that like you kind of have to approach it with a whole lot more strategy so like and, and i think i've done a pretty decent job with this so like the first wpo i realized they've got to separate it into classes now i'm starting looking at the people in the heavyweights you know if you do what i do you take off and you just don't count in <laughs> like you're, i mean <laughs> you're fighting for second place at that point yeah, right. we, we were talking about this earlier. Like, he's just, the man's not human. Yeah, I, I just chose my attempts. My goal with the first WPO was to finish top three in the heavyweights, and mm-hmm. I finished second by and half, and we get up to the super finals, and that was a little bit trickier because now you're getting into, like, 15 people, but it's all weight classes, and I'm not as well-versed in, you know, the Gloss Brenner and, mm-hmm. like, those guys. So I'm trying to, like, do a little homework ahead of time, studying up their best list. Like, what do I think they're capable of and I'm, I'm trying to set achievable attempts that are going to still put me in that top three sort of contention and position mm-hmm. and uh and again works out fairly well i had a little back and forth battle with danny there um i got hurt on bench so that killed me mm-hmm. because i thought i was rolling into that thing to hit a big old deadlift pr mm-hmm. next thing you know i you know get banged up on my second bench and now i'm like struggling to to survive, but I still was able because of a big squat that meet to, to pull out another second place finish. And sure, yeah. You know, and the semifinals was a whole different strategy because I really just went out there like goal number one is qualify. Yeah. Right. It's you know it was it was awesome to finish top three again, but that was like not the plan. I was sort of watching and learning from Hoff. Like I saw him take his squat, and then I saw him relaxed. Yeah. When I could look over after my second squat and see my man in a pair of basketball shorts, I thought like he's got the plan. I just I called it after my second squat and you know continued to execute the plan for that day was to stay healthy enough to to survive and get into another finals. Right, because right. yeah, all you have to do is be top fifteen. That was it, and I was in good pace, and I hit a hit a pretty easy eleven oh seven squat, not a PR even for the WPO. Lift, easy eleven oh seven, jeez. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it was but, fast. But to be fair, but, uh, like you, you took it, and I obviously we're we're set as the spotters to to spot it. And as soon as you unracked it, I'm like, well, our job's easy today. <laughs> yeah, so that one went nice. But again, yeah. still, it was you know it's a fast paced meet, and it's you know you got to learn from someone like Hoff or some of the better lifters. Like, is it really worth trying to hit a PR there where mm-hmm. you could potentially 
hurt yourself on that third squad. Because you know, you start pushing, sure. you know, 95, 100% of your max, and the, the risk goes up. So right. I feel like in that situation, the, uh, the just risk isn't worth the potential reward there. And because uh, I don't want to miss the finals because these WPL meets are everything to me right now. They're awesome. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, that's, uh, that's, I think it's a good perspective on winning because, you, you know, a lot of people see, okay, so every meet you got to go out, you got to win. Well, no, in this case, like, there's a long-term plan for this. Like, you know, basically the WPO is a year-long run. So the semifinals are just, hey, it's just another gate to pass through, and then we, we move on to the next one. So I uh, I like that take on it. I think it's really uh, it's an important one for people to take note of. So uh, so talk about, you know, as you get ready for meets, and uh, I, I alluded to this earlier, but, you know, what any preferences as far as, like, uh, you know, brands or fits or kind of how you set up the actual equipment you're using. Because to your point earlier that, you know, you're working to get better with the equipment. So how do you kind of determine what you're going to, uh, you know, to be using when it comes to equipment? Uh, so personal preference, I mean, when it comes to squat, I'm all things Inzer. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like, I like my briefs to be uh, very tight in the hips. Mm-hmm. So I typically always get my briefs altered. Um, I feel like that that plays a lot into the carryover you get from the briefs. Like a good tight fitting brief around the hips is going to uh, definitely, especially for a wide stance squatter, um, add a lot for you. Mm-hmm. I have a pair of four ply briefs. I'll let that secret out of the bag. I mean, I think they're awesome. If you could get insert to make you a pair of four ply predators, and you squat enough to get the depth in them, it is a huge advantage. Just keep them away from the bar. It'll get you down there. Yeah. So that's more weight. That's all. Exactly. Or you know, it's not—it's not even that. You know, just get technically better. If you sit back really hard, I can get to depths in the four plies. Again, say, say that. Say that louder for those in the back. Get technically <laughs> yeah, right. better, kids. Get technically technically better. better, and you can get to depth. It's yes. just like every other lift. You know, who um, do? I like I like the Ultra Pro compared to the Canvas, mm-hmm. but I think that's because I squat so upright. That uh, mm-hmm. that for me, I, I'm just going straight back with my torso completely upright. I love the ability to tighten that thing. I tighten it when I put it on. I put it as tight as possible. That upper adjustment, that torso adjustment, mm-hmm. and then I can leave it looser on the hips, and I almost don't tighten the legs at all because, like I said, I wear hmm. my treads so tight. Interesting. So I essentially use that suit to keep me as upright as possible. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, I get most of my carryover out of the briefs. Like I squat damn near as much in a pair of Predators as I do in Predators and a Leviathan. Hmm. Um, just for me, that's where I like to get all the support since I sit straight back, squat wide. Mm-hmm. and uh, But it is nice having that Ultra Pro because I can tighten it around the torso and, and it gives me a little bit of a boost and I get the straps to help sit back into. But, yeah. uh, I messed around with the canvas. I've had some success in the canvas. Matter of fact, I have an 1140 in the canvas, but it's a matter of it is easier for me to get my position in the Ultra Pro. Yeah, it is interesting because you've got some some varying you know uses in the WPO. You've got a guy like Hoff that mm-hmm. sticks to the OG canvas and is pretty much against. I, I don't know if he's against, but doesn't really like the, the lace up canvas versus. Mm-hmm. God, no. it, it, it's tough with that the adjustability of the lace up canvas that, uh, especially with any kind of you talked about any kind of weight gain or loss with any kind of you know pure canvas suit. If you gain or lose five pounds, it really can make a huge difference in the ability to get depth or get anything out of the suit. I think a lot of times it has to do with your build too. Like if you have big, you know, big legs, big hamstrings, big quads, all of a sudden, like I can get into a canvas now. Just it has to be big enough for me to get my lower body into it, and now all of a sudden it's loose in my torso. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. So like if it was tight in the torso, I wouldn't have been able to get my legs into it. So it's a matter of 
you know, that fit was just challenging for me. And I'm not going to lie, it does suck. I used to use a canvas exclusively, mm-hmm. and getting out of the thing every single week is like four guys and a crowbar. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I put, before the, the quarantine shut us down, I put on an old Ginny canvas that I probably hadn't had on in maybe two, three years, and I don't think most of the team here had ever even seen me squat in a canvas. Oh, uh, no. And, uh, you know, we actually got out of it pretty quickly, but everyone's like, oh, my gosh, that was so hard to get out of. I'm like, yeah, that's that's every week when you squat on a canvas on a yeah. consistent basis. My now, pro- interestingly enough, I'm oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Interestingly enough, I love pulling in a loose canvas. So oh, that's, okay. That is like, you know, I have a OG Leviathan that I got, uh, you know, I think Dave Brown or something like that sent it to me like ages ago. And uh, it's way big for me. Mm-hmm. So it slides right on, but uh, it's just something I can sit back into it. It feels natural. And uh, so pulling in a canvas, a lot of people hate pulling a canvas, and I love it. <laughs> so I'm like the opposite of Hop. He, he loves the canvas for squatting, and I think he uses a fusion to deadlift. But uh, I love pulling in the OJ. Interesting. Yeah, when I, I, tri- did, I, I did, however, just get myself a two-ply fusion to try out. So oh, okay. Two-ply grid stitch fusion. I've, I'm using it this Wednesday for the first time, so we'll we'll see. I'll be watching the gram for that one. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm I'm always I'm always looking for like people make fun of me because we'll go on a bench shirts next. And I have like a million of them, and my philosophy on training in a bench shirt is way different than most. But like I'm always looking to try and explore new gear. I watch all those Facebook yard sale pages, and if mm-hmm. I find a deal, like this fusion was like 120 bucks for a two ply, never used grid stitched, you know, deadlift. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. We'll see if we can squeak a couple extra pounds out of it. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when I trained at Franz, you know, of course, you're, you're wearing Ernie's gear. Mm-hmm. And I was basically just told, like, you're going to wear your canvas to deadlift in. Um, and he had me turn it backwards, which was interesting for yeah, a while. I heard least. people say that. Yeah, yeah so, I've tried that too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a weird thing. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a thing where it's like you wear a canvas, no briefs. And for a while, I was told to wear it backwards because it would help keep you more upright. I, I eventually moved back to just... We're in the canvas regular with no briefs, but that is yeah, pull, yeah, that I tried. I've tried both ways as well. It's I don't find any real difference. I think it's just uncomfortable backwards. But that just sounds horrible. Yeah. As far as bench shirts, it's it's tricky because I, I obviously love the SDP. Mm-hmm. I think it's an easy shirt for beginners. I think it's super forgiving. Um, I, I do think that the Inzer has their consistency problems because, like, if you've been in multiply a long time and you ask someone about an SDP, they're like, well, what do you have? Is it the black, the old black, mm. the purple, the kind of purple, the blue, the black black, <laughs> the new black? And you're like, I... The red? <laughs> and then, the mythical yeah, red? red the, the blue, the Smurf blue, or the navy blue? Like, it's... it's... So it, it can be confusing, and fit is always tricky, but uh, I've got a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And I use them. I train in the bench shirt pretty much every single week. I love reps and bench shirts. And, okay. Uh, and and you, one you touch thing. every week too, don't you? I touch at least a few reps every week. Wow. That is which, definitely different is, than most. Which is great for practice. But like we said about the SDP, those things are not always the most durable shirts. Mm-hmm. And if you're touching every week, you're going you're gonna to chew through them. So if you pay attention to my training, I have like seven or eight different SDPs that are like Jeez. held together by, you know, <laughs> By upholstery thread, and I sit down and I sew the things back together with patches of old, you know, Titan gear, and uh, huh. try and keep the things alive. And uh, I have my ones that I use for the meets, which is why I eventually decided I want to try Overkill because I see people in Overkill shirts and they can wear the same shirt for, you know, a career. Wow. 
Yeah, and that's interesting because I remember talking to Hoff at a meet that he and I judged at, and he said he hadn't touched in his shirt in training in like two or three years. He'd only exclusively done, you know, board work yep. in his shirt and then would just go to the meet and touch. I know. It's amazing to me. Yeah, he is. Uh, I don't. I don't count him for anything. Like, I, I love the guy, but I don't <laughs> count him for anything. Like following him, following him is tough because it's just no one can do what he does. So, uh, yeah. For we, most people, most people, most of the time, I would say as a general rule, should touch more frequently. I'm not saying every week. I'm probably a little bit more than most. I mean, I the metal militia guys, Bill Crawford and all them, have sort of worked with me on my bench, and they're big into touching and. Mm-hmm. And I will say this, I don't bomb out, so there's there's that going for me. Like yeah. I'm never nervous. I'm never true. nervous by going to touch a bench because I do it all the time. Right. Yeah, no doubt. I uh, mean, there's definitely uh, when people are beginning in shirts, I think it definitely makes sense to touch more often because you don't you don't know what it feels like when you get a little bit more experienced. I could I can at least see the Hoff philosophy cuz mm-hmm. y- you know how to get there, but you know, when new lifters first get in the shirt and all they do is board work and they've never actually felt the pressure of that last inch or two in touching. And then, Oh yeah, it'll just, it, it's just like not turning to depth in the squat. It's like, Oh, well it'll be their meat day. And it's like, oh yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and, and that's, yeah, and that's when you get the practice, practice how you're going to play. You know? yeah. That's when you get the post. Oh, not the day I wanted to have. <laughs> right. I track, I track my PRs for like not only my biggest benches, but a fun one to track is what is the lightest weight you can touch with. Hmm. That oh, that okay. can be challenging. It definitely teaches you patience. Sure. Like I I touched seven seventy five in that red overkill, and it took twenty four seconds. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so like, think about that. Sure Put a stopwatch sure on right now. That, that's a fun one to watch on the gram there because you're watching. It you're like, is this video glitching? Like, is it paused? Like, what the hell's happening? I hear people talking. Twenty four seconds. Twenty. Yeah. Oh my word! Wow. So that's... like it's it's uh, but it's again that's a good thing for training because all of a sudden meet day comes and you're having a little bit of an issue you're not going to get nervous if you're used to really long ones that's a fun fun training PR to throw in the mix that most people have never tried. Yeah, it's wow. I'm just I'm just still I'm that's blowing my mind. Twenty four seconds. That's, that's a long. That time. is insane. It was it was a brutal brutal betcha. I can imagine and did so it was... and I and I had to do it. I had to like I would have just passed out on the bar and missed. Because Magnavita did it the week before me. Oh, so like, yeah. So we're getting to that training partner like bragging rights thing now. So, gotcha. And the funny thing was, I hadn't touched a single rep in my shirt. That overkill. Mm-hmm. I let him. I, I let him put it on the first week he's in, and he touches seven seventy. And I'm like, God damn it! Like, <laughs> <laughs> like we're doing this. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. So maybe you can get into that a little bit, Bob. Is how do you set up your training? Do you have more of a you know, kind of traditional periodization model? Do you use any kind of conjugate kind of work? What does that look like? It is tough for me to explain. <laughs> I, I'm all over the place. If you watch me, it's kind of like you go to the buffet, mm-hmm. like an all-you-can-eat buffet. I, I pick I've been choose, many times. <laughs> I pick and choose what I like about every possible program. I mean, I have set days. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's that. I mean, I have my big squat day on Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's We all get here. It's the only time the whole team is together doing the same lift. So okay. typically on Saturday, it's like we will squat, and that that is really it. So it's some sort of like if you could call that like a max effort day, that would be close to like we rotate our bars, we rotate the accommodating resistance. You know, I'm a big fan of like a pretty decent amount of accommodating resistance, mm-hmm. uh, depending on our goals and whether or not everyone's healthy. The reps will be from like one to three reps, mm-hmm. um, and that's like our Saturday. Occasionally, depending on certain certain things, I might throw like 
I guess, like a speed deadlift in after that, fairly mm-hmm. light, just to practice positioning and things like that. I do that when I'm having a hard time getting to the bar and just want to practice. But that that's Saturday. Um, Sunday would be my, I guess you would call it a dynamic effort bench. But for me, it's less like speed work and more just like picking a weakness to work on. So okay. like right now, it's a lot of like tricep lockout stuff because I'm mm-hmm. having a hard time like holding weight to the top. So I use it to get better at a specific portion of my bench. Okay. So right now, like I said, lockout, a lot of three board, things like that. But sometimes it's other stuff. You know, and sometimes it might not be any bench stuff at all. It might be just needing more accessories, and I throw some back in on that day or something. Uh, Monday is something that I do that is just a crazy accessory day. Mm-hmm. I have I train like a like other people there that aren't really part of the team, like younger guys and stuff like that. They come over and use the gym, and mm-hmm. while they're working out, I'm doing just thousands of reps of accessory work. Nothing heavy, you know, lots of band works, face pulls, you know, lat work, but really low weight. And, you know, typically I, you'll see me do anywhere from like a thousand to fifteen hundred reps. Yeah, I thought I thought day. I saw you actually post something about that. Like the setup of it was like twelve hundred reps that day, but it was all super light stuff. Yeah, like I might throw one hundred fifty pounds on like you know a wide lat pull down, just do mm-hmm. fifty reps, and then I go right to narrow and do fifty more reps mm-hmm. and uh, take a break, and then do the whole thing again a few times. I think it's definitely helped with like the WPO's fast pace. Mm-hmm. It's definitely helped to get me in better condition. And uh, and I'm older now, so like heavy accessories probably beat me up like too bad. Mm-hmm. So just light accessories and keeping myself sort of fit is pretty good. Sure. Um, Tuesdays, Tuesdays are bench day. Mm-hmm. With the bench, I follow like a really old metal militia template. Okay. And it's been working. It's been working for me. Like I'll do like a week of triples, mm-hmm. then like another week of triples or a week of doubles, like slightly heavier. And then um, depending on how close I am to a meet, I might like do a single. The one thing I do that those guys don't do or really like is I will throw boards in once in a while. Those right. guys never use boards, and I still see like a lot of benefit to them. So I will still pick a point in the bench, and I'll do like a two-board day. Mm-hmm. But you will see me, like after I get done a two-board day, you'll always see me pull the boards and touch something. Gotcha. Just, yeah, and, and for those that don't know, Metal Militia is a very kind of like high-volume type of bench program, correct? Yes, it is tons, tons of volume. It's one of the few that requires like reps in a bench yard. Like I, when I was breaking in my overcoat, it's intense, and people are like, "What is wrong with you?" <laughs> yeah, I'm like, "Ugh, gross." So it's not uncommon to see me do like fives in a bench yard. Okay. So Tuesdays are bench. And, and then uh, you have a designated deadlift day, or how do you how do you set so that up? So Wednesday, Wednesday is like my I guess you would call that my deadlift day, but I always start by squatting. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of like what I do on Sunday with my bench. I practice a squat and. Uh, it's it's heavier than normal speed work, and I don't do, like, back-to-back-to-back reps. I just sort of work myself up sort of plate by plate until it slows down. So okay. I pick some sort of AR, and, and I pick a bar usually. Like right now, I'm using the safety squat bar for it, which I hate, mm-hmm. but it's probably the right bar. You know the right bar when you don't want to do it. <laughs> yep. Sure. So yep. it's probably where I need the work. And I actually – it's funny, Donnie Thompson, who's the man – reached out and was like, finally, like, this is what you need. And mm-hmm. if he agrees, if he agrees <laughs> with me, then it's probably what I need. There you go. So, uh, and then I just start adding. I pick a pick a resistance and do, the, like, three weeks of that, just trying to keep the same weight and adding a little bit more AR each week and just trying to stay fast and be perfect. And, uh, and then I deadlift after that. Deadlift is almost exclusively versus, like, crazy band tension. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that works. I didn't pick it, but Bruce Mason is a guy who I was have been friends with for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, once he, for a little while, he decided he was going to stop competing. 
And this goes back to multiply lifters just sort of like helping each other out. And he takes a little hiatus from competing, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to miss you. He's like, well, finally, i got to tell you what the hell's wrong with your deadlift. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's painful me watching you try and get better. It is just not working. So I was trying to apply the same sort of philosophy to my squat, to my deadlift. Like, I'll just go heavier, and eventually it will click. Sure. But it wasn't. So he had me pulling against his band tension because he said, like, my issue was sort of, you know, I'm going too heavy every week. And when I get to use the band tension, it gets heavy at the top, so I'm still used to feeling the weight, but it's I'm not beating myself up nearly as bad. Right. And, and I didn't even think. Like, I just let him, for the first time in my life, I just let him sort of make the calls and tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, "All right, go enter a deadlift meet and go pull 800." And I'm like, "You're crazy! Like, I, I haven't pulled, I haven't pulled 700 in three months." Mm-hmm. He's like, "Just go enter the meet and pull 800." And I did, and I pulled 800. Oh my god! So apparently, he new, knows more than I do. New, so what I was talking about. <laughs> exactly. I'm not changing that until <laughs> it stops working. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, I, dude, I appreciate you, you know, coming on today and, and, you know, sharing with us. I, I, I'm sure there's a bunch more we can talk about with the WPO and, uh, you know, anything you're, you know, you want to share about that, you know, feel free, but I have an important, important question for you. Absolutely. Is Wu-Tang forever? Wu-Tang is forever. Wu-Tang is anabolic. Yes. Wu-Tang is for the children. Yes. Most importantly, most importantly, Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. Amen. You need to diversify your bonds. That's what I'm it. saying. <laughs> Bob, like Bob's a Wu-Tang fan, so I figured I'd throw those in there. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome, man. Well, hey, Ed, anything else you want to share with the Strength and Anger listeners or just anything about powerlifting, life in general, man? Uh, the, the the stage is yours. Uh, no, I think we've covered everything. I want to say thank you for having me on. I've been listening to you guys for a while, so it's kind of it's kind of fun to be on here and I feel like I'm listening to it while at the same time participating in it, if that makes any sense. A little bit. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, because I'm used to hearing your voices. I'm just not used to talking along. <laughs> it's a little, but, uh, a little weird when someone uh, says that I'm used to hearing your voice. <laughs> yeah, right. But, uh, no, I think, I think powerlifting is in great shape. I think uh, I'm, I'm sad that I'm sort of toward the end of things as, you know, I mean, I'm going to be 37, so I'm not mm-hmm. done yet. But right. at the same time, I'm jealous of people who are sort of just coming up. I'm sure. jealous of my boy Magna Vita, who's going to do his first WPO, and he's a baby. He's 23. That's so like, wild. I know. He's 23 and hitting these numbers. So mm-hmm. I think we are laying a foundation for something huge. I hope, hope that this ESPN thing, you know, grows. Because like I said, it was awesome. Yeah. It was surreal to see that many cameras, to look in the distance and see, like, a freaking lift in the background. Yeah. And, right. like, like it's, and then to be walking around and have, like, cameras in your face. And, like, it wasn't annoying, though, because I'm like, oh, people want to watch me lift? Cool, let's. Yeah. Uh, and the thing has, like, thousands and thousands of views on YouTube, and who knows how many more it had, like, while it was live. Like, yeah, sure, if you read the comments. If you want to have some fun, read the comments. Oh, and, like, yeah, people, you do that. People are trying to do nothing but hate on it. And I'm like, well, that's, you know. Thanks for the views, I guess. <laughs> but, but you know, I mean, it, it, I know Fahey shared this with us. Like, it led its time slot on ESPN. I know, hey, it's a Monday, whatever. But, like, you lead your time slot on ESPN. That's, that was across all platforms, too. I don't know if you heard about that. No, I didn't yeah. know. So, I mean, that's huge for, you know, this very unique kind of sport. And, you know, they were very willing to come out to the Arnold and, and do all that. I think that the Super Finals this year are going to be something very, very special. And I, man, dude, I, I can't wait to see you there. I, I know there's a couple of things that are uh, getting juggled right now to get you out there. But, dude, I, I cannot wait to see you. I can't wait to spot you uh, and watch you hit some 
Huge fucking numbers. Well, what? Uh, I'm finally looking forward to hitting that 12 and getting that yes. off the uh, getting that off the uh, the back. That's been that's been there for a while. I just haven't been able to lay it down. I've been close. Sounds like me with a 700 uh, squat. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully with uh, hopefully with you cheering up the crowd and getting ready to spot me, I can finally lay one down. Oh man, we'll we'll bring the heat. Well, yeah, what are the goals for the uh, Super Finals in October, Bob? To be standing up there with Haas at the end. Okay. That's there you always, go. That's always, goal number one is always going to be to put myself in a position to be in that top three. It's, it's as high as I can be. I mean, mm-hmm. goal number one, like we talked about before, winning big meets, is to take what's there that day. Yep. I mean, goal number two is to, to hit big PRs and stuff like that. But it's powerlifting, so there's a meet every weekend. If I wanted to try and squat 12, I could I could line up five meets and just keep going at oh, it. Can't do it I, now. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I compete. I compete. Yeah, true. Right now is not the time. Yeah, but I compete all the time. I think I competed like nine times in 2019 or whatever. Wow. So I don't, wow. I don't mind competing. Wow. It's uh, but meets like this are special. Yeah, so meets like the WPO. You go there and you bring your best. Then you try and be a professional and you, you know, you show up and you get the best possible total that you could put together to put you in the best finishing place that day. Yep. So for sure, I always kind of love the fact that I'm in a battle with Danny at the end of every meet. Because I admire and respect him so much that I see like the way he chooses his numbers and the fact that we're always going back and forth at the end mm-hmm. makes me feel like I'm doing something right because he's like one of the smartest lifters I know. So. Definitely, yeah, for sure. He's he's amazing. I, I love Danny. Well, and just remember, I think what did uh, uh, Donnie did his three thousand pound total when he was I think mid forties, forty six, forty six, and uh, my coach Ernie Franz did an eight twenty something squat at sixty three. So mm-hmm. there's still some time left, Bob. You're not that old. Yeah. Oh no! I, I believe me, you're gonna you're gonna drag me off the platform, kicking and screaming. I wasn't saying that. Yeah. What I'm saying is, you know, I I will be here as long as I can keep putting up the totals. Sure. But if I could be 23 and know what I know now, sure, and still yeah, yeah. be in great position, I would take the miles. Because you know it is when when you're 23, it's like I want to get stronger. Let me just lift weights and eat a pizza and drink some beers. Next thing you know, you're stronger. When yeah, you're no kidding. 36. When you're 36, 37, you're like, all right. Let me. Yeah, let me not let me, eat the pizza me, and drink the beers. Let, and... let me get out of bed. I gotta yeah. go on a walk. If I don't go on a walk after squats, my back's gonna lock up and I won't be able to move tomorrow. Like, yep. maybe mm-hmm. my kids will tie my shoes. Like, so <laughs> <laughs> see, that's the secret. I wear slip-ons and I don't worry about it. Like, and that's that's the curse of powerlifting because you need to put the miles on to get smart enough to mm-hmm. to be good. Yep. Right. So great. Right. Yeah, find good training partners and learn early. Amen. That, yep. say, say that again for everybody in the back. Yeah, if you can find good training partners, if that's one piece of advice I would give raw, single ply, multi ply, find people who are better than you. Don't get your ego all in a bunch and just try your hardest to keep up with them. Like Write that down, kids. I have Write been, that like, down. I have been trying forever. If I could get people who are better than me, I mean, to come and train, I've I travel all over the place just to try and put myself in places where I will lose. Like mm-hmm. we fly down to Florida so I can go with Alan and Danny and, and Joe, so I can actually have to get my ass kicked for a little while. Sure. Because, you know, I have Jenkinson come down from wherever he is at the time right now, Pennsylvania or whatever, and deadlift, <laughs> so I can lose by 100 pounds. Sure. And in that loss, hopefully, like, the next time I pull, I'll lose by 90 pounds, I guess. Like, it's mm-hmm. training in the right environment is everything, and with the right people who yeah. are not only better than you but will explain to you how you can improve. That's, that's, that's crucial. Yeah, yeah no that. doubt. That's that's awesome. That that right there, the entire conversation is worth it, kids, for that two minutes that Bob just spent. <laughs> this motherfucker's fitting right here. And if you can't find that, the alternative 
and this is going to sound weird, you find someone who's brand new, and you teach them everything that you know, mm-hmm. because going back to the basics is almost equally as important as learning from someone better than you. Yep. Like, so I'm always starting fresh, getting some new lifters who have never done anything. And, you know, the little cues that you give them that you start overlooking as you get better, the things that you forget about, the, yep. the warm-up exercises that you've, you know, long since neglected, as you are teaching them how to get good, you'll remind yourself how to get better. So that's a nice alternative as well. You bet. You bet. Awesome. Well, Bob, dude, thank you. It was awesome. It was great chatting with you. Uh, I know we're going to put this up here probably later on this week, uh, and I cannot wait to see you in Chicago kicking ass, taking names, and, uh, you know, shortening that gap between you and Hoff. Let's, let's call it what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Operation lose by less than 200 starts now. There we go, baby. There we go. There we go. Yeah, you got to laugh at it. He's, he's not even human anyway. So. Exactly, exactly. Just program the laugh and he'll be fine. <laughs> That's it. All right, well, thanks so much, Bob. Appreciate uh, you coming on with us. All right. All right. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. With that, this is Eric Stone signing out. Strength and anger.